0: Welcome to the Air of Grievances Podcast. My name is Caleb. Here is part three of my interview with Angela and Joshua Bow.
1: And you didn't have a reason to fake it. And so I fake it anymore. Like, why don't it just be myself? Yeah. And sometimes that, like, when we first started dating, Angela, that didn't didn't really mesh with you because I, would you know, be like, well, I'm just gonna be myself, and you know, um, some of your friends who are much more faithful, you know, or uh, conservative, maybe mm-hmm. that's just
0: a better yeah. Term, not faithful. I
2: was still very much in a conservative oh, no, Christian. Friend group Even though Yeah Conservative Christian atmosphere Even though I had been atheist For years Right And I don't
1: think They knew what to do with me Um, No
2: And I mean I It was like a Preservation thing For me I mean I If you say You 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 lose
1: your friend group You lose your Lose my
2: friend group Lose everything And I Social structure I felt like I wasn't Socially prepared I mean, when I was a Christian, I mean, I had all these preconceived notions about atheists. You know, like we said before, they're like fucking baby killers and burn them out. <laughs> the baby killers and they'll rape your mother and, <laughs> rape your you know, yeah. And so I was like, even though I don't believe anymore, I don't know how to be friends with an atheist. Wow. Because I don't know any You have there.
0: How would you know? Yeah.
2: How would I know? Yeah. So I'm like, it's easier for me to pretend than... And I mean, none of them knew about the, the assault that changed what I thought. So I mean, it was like... I was like, it's way easier to right. just be like, yeah, okay. And I went to this very liberal church... Um mm. it was like in South Minneapolis, pretty small congregation, very community oriented. Um, very like a like, kind of hippie crust punk okay. kind of church.
0: Was it denominational? Was it a denomination? Mm. No. Okay. No, Because I'm not used to liberal churches down south. We don't don't have any like to be Christian is to be conservative.
2: Right. Um, They were associated with something called Steiger Ministries. Okay. Have you heard of Steiger? Steiger Ministries was started by oh god, what was his name? I even read a book about him. Um, David Pierce, I think. Okay. He was called. Who was the guy who started Steiger Ministries? His his sons went to Bethel. Wow, like, I was friends uh, with them. Wow, was it David
1: Pierce? I think so.
2: I David Pierce. Okay, he was called, rock um, rock, yeah, priest. rock Priest. Rock Priest. So the one year I went to Bethel, um, this guy came to speak, David Pierce, and he was called the Rock Priest, and he was <laughs> the this rock priest. the Rock Priest, <laughs> and he. He took on this amazing mission to be like, I'm going to preach the gospel in the most uncomfortable places in the entire world. <laughs> so, he would go to satanic clubs in Amsterdam. Oh, my
0: god.
2: And preach the gospel there. And when I was still a Christian but I had this like fire of rebellion in me and I wanted to be metal and I wanted to be punk rock so bad but the Christianity in me you know wouldn't Mm. allow that so I was like this is like the perfect you know I can still be this you know anarchist anarchist
0: right rebel
2: rebel but I'm doing it for Jesus <laughs> yeah. like when I saw him he came to Bethel and spoke and as his like introduction on stage he had his son introduce him and he was wheeled out in a coffin oh my god and the coffin <laughs> opened up and he like came out of it and as this goth kid I was like, oh my god he's a vampire like so cool um, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. Um, and so I read there's a book about him somewhere which I ended up ordering and reading um, about David Pearson, and his ministry in satanic clubs in Europe I feel and, like he just
0: did that so he could write a book about it
2: Right, right <laughs> And we um, were
0: doing an atheist go to church
2: I know And I was like, oh it's so amazing Like, you know the Christians Would have the nads to go to yeah, You know, Amsterdam and, and you know He's like, I to spit on And whatever, whatever And it was like, that made it more authentic Because of How much resistance he endured
0: Right, right, sure
2: and yeah, I just thought he was like the coolest person. And I don't know. I I <laughs> I remember telling my parents that I wanted to join Steiger Ministries and they looked it up on the internet and saw that the main places they witnessed were like in Amsterdam <laughs> and like the red light district red light, yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh. And I remember specifically, they came up and took me out to a dinner at Old Country Buffet, and my mom started crying because she was scared for my safety. (laughs) Because she thought I was going to go hop the first flight to the Amsterdam Red Light District and start telling (laughs) people about Jesus. Um, and it was funny that I eventually ended up at this church, um... In the Twin Cities that was associated with Steiger Ministries. And I mean, it was definitely something more real and authentic than I had experienced before at like a typical evangelical church. Sure, sure. Which was great, but the whole time I was there, I didn't believe in God. (laughs) And I was so... I was like... Like I said before, these are my friends... I don't know how to be friends with atheists mm-hmm. because, in my mind, for how many years I've been conditioned that atheists, all they do is drink and do blow and have sex with <laughs> each other. Sacrifice and, goats. Yeah, they have orgies and they do cocaine and, you know, and I was like... The pastors? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not ready for that kind of lifestyle. Right, like, right, right. So so I was like, I guess... I. I'll just speak it then Mm -hmm. like Mm
1: -hmm. funny because
2: I thought all atheists were were sex crazed cocaine addicts
1: (laughs) (laughs) so funny aside story I went to one of these guys' houses so a friend of mine in college was one of their family and they had graduated I think it was graduation so his brother was a year older than him and I graduated oh the guy
2: from Steiger
1: yep and so I went to one of their houses and it was like a 45 minute drive from Bethel's campus out to this like really fringe suburb but they had a stone like facade in the front so like a big gate and they actually had gates and so like we went through the gates and went into this you know look looked like what you what you comically think is a rich person's house like okay. Scarface you know uh, yeah. so you like pillars and then, yeah there's this this uh, you know gravel you know giant circle that has a fountain in the middle mm. and you go up to the house and you park in the Granted. circle and then you get out of it and so we went into the house this giant house you know, um, it's,
2: like, the most un-metal and punk rock thing yeah. you could ever think of. <laughs> yes. And that's, like, his basis of his ministry, that he's, like, the punk rock and metal <laughs> pastor. Yeah. And, so and we, then he lives in this gigantic mansion. There's, like, classical like, music
0: playing yeah, in the background. Yeah, right. That what
2: looks like Cher's house from Clueless. <laughs> like. So
1: we walk into this big double-door house. It opens up. We go inside. Um, the house is huge in every direction. Yeah. Um, And they're telling me how, like, they're letting missionaries stay there for free while, you know, while they're on furlough, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, But we walk down to the basement, and in the middle of the stairway, which is a a two-tiered stairway going down, there is a fish tank. Like, a wall of fish tank. Oh. So it's like 10, 10 feet by 20 feet this, of all saltwater fish, you know, like, so <laughs> oh my super expensive God. You know, uh, tank of fish. We walk downstairs, and there's um, two fireplaces, there's a wet bar, there's a whole hangout place, there's a pool table, there's, you know, video games, and then you walk up to the back, and there are speakers around, look waterproof speakers outside, all around the place and they have an a, uh, in-ground pool they have a sauna and they have you know all like a hot tub two different hot tubs one on two different levels and so it's yeah. like that's un- not
0: even real in my mind
1: unbelievable wealth you know? wow, wow and they're like
0: yeah when we came here
1: we had $26 in our pocket we started a car wash and look what Jesus has done look what Jesus did yeah and you're just like this is <laughs> Jesus would be pissing on your face right now he'd be so pissed about it he would take a shit in your pool and be like, you've missed the point so far. So yeah. there's, there's that uh, message in the in the gospel where Jesus says, if you had the faith of mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, "Be moved and be thrown into the sea." Mm. There's a real interpretation of that where Jesus is actually saying, if you had the faith of mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, the mountain is a representative of the temple. You take your religion and you throw it into the sea and start over. Oh, I like that. That's from Thessal. Uh, no, it's from uh, Colossians remixed. Um, which a book I had to read in seminary, and most people hate that because if like you have the though. faith of a mustard seed, so a tiny faith that religion into something big. Mm-hmm. You would say to your religion, "Fuck you!" Yep, and I will throw you in the sea. And that's it's it's not in like that's an interpretation that's. Held by a lot of theologians, it's not just a fringe theory. Like Colossians remix is an interesting book. It, well, at least it was interesting back in two thousand six. So like ten, you know, uh, twelve years later, it could be nothing. People would be like, yeah, it's this old hat. But still, I think if you said that in a lot of churches, people wouldn't be able to handle it.
0: Nope. So no. So say way. to
1: your faith, you're getting it wrong. You're not doing it right. Let's start over. Yeah. And I think people are so terrified of that because I've said this a hundred times. Like, the first thing people ask me, what are churches doing wrong? And the first thing I say is sermons. Don't even have them. Like, having one dude or one lady or two dudes and, uh, you know, like, just throw that away and start over. Like, a panel discussion is way better for faith, I think. And and at least, I think it's better for everyone because then there's dialogue. So, like, if there's just a dude up there speaking, like, the congregation, women are like, I can't really relate, because mm-hmm. I mean, the couple of the big churches we went to, the metaphors, my were, wife, yeah, <laughs> the the metaphors were just basketball, and like, I don't
0: relate to. And
2: basketball. they were so condescending to their wives, <laughs> yes.
0: my stupid wife. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> my wife's out of town, because I can say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so many jokes we'll just, about like. Good thing my wife's not here. And I'm like, why are all these pastors condescending to their
1: wives? And probably no one who's listening to this is interested in this particular thing, but like, if you're a pastor, get rid of your sermon and try something else. Try a dialogue. Like, have, have, you know, if you're a pastor and you're married, have your wife and then have two of your best friends up there and just talk. Like then yeah. have, a, have a group a discussion in front of your church and just mm. let them talk back to you because if you're just being let talked let them ask at, questions if you're being talked at for 40 minutes like that's not helpful that's just you saying whatever you want to say and like I'm sure that's a lot of pressure for them like a lot of pressure for the pastor to be like I have to do the sermon you're doing like a monologue they're performing yeah oh yeah it is it is like performance art. Mm-hmm. Okay. so why don't you just have like a panel discussion where every week the, so the pastor and the pastor's wife or the co-pastor or whatever um just has a discussion and they get two congregants up there and they're like, "This is what we want to talk about." That would be interesting to me. Like that would be way more like inviting to me than just some guy or some woman just getting out there and being like, "Here's what I think. You should think the same." Like I think when churches say, "What are we doing wrong?" With the sermon is a big part because worship's whatever. Like it's fine. I'm not, I've never been a big worshipper. Um, I love worship songs, but not in public. You know, like, what is, isn't that quote Jesus? Like, what you see on the street corners, you know, like, what you do in private is more important than what you do when you're out there being like, I'm a believer with your hands up, and everyone's like, oh, I know that guy's a Christian. But what you do in private is more important than, like, I love worship songs. I listen to them all the time. Like, as an atheist, I still listen to worship songs, and I I appreciate them for different reasons. Um, It's not because they point me towards God, it's because they point me towards being a better person. And those are the songs that stay with you. Like, Amazing Grace is a a very penitent, personal song. And I think when you listen to it in private, it's almost more powerful than in public. Because in public, I'm always like, well, how is someone thinking about how Moran thinks these words? Especially as a slave song. You know? Because a lot of people think... The the words Amazing Grace were penned by Willie Wilberforce's pastor... I'm forgetting his name, um, but we're penned by him, but the actual song is an old West African slave chant, and so there's there's layers to that, and there's something there that is more than meets the eye, and so like Amazing Grace still is a song that I I do think of as a worship song, even though I don't think that there's a deity. It's still a song that means something really special to me, and so when I hear it, it moves me. And it it changes me. It makes me want to be a better person.
0: Yeah. Um, Grace is real even if God isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. can, can I like kind of cut to the chase of yep. my question with you? Um was was there a pivotal moment in which you realized Oh fuck! There's not a god, or was it like a gradual sort of uh, coming to terms for you?
2: Oh, for me. Either of you? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I I would say it was more gradual for me because I had already been question.
0: questioning.
2: Before I was assaulted. Right. And I mean... Something like that, something traumatic like that happening to someone... I wouldn't doubt at all if they were like... Well, that happened to me, and now I'm not going to believe. But I was already having questions before that happened. So I would say it was more gradual. Sure. Just because... I don't know. I get. I guess I wasn't being fulfilled, mm. like I thought I would have. Mm. Like, were when you I ever was, being fulfilled?
0: Was there ever a time where it's like God
2: is so real? Yeah, I would say that. Like yeah. in my teens or early twenties, sure. I would say I definitely felt the f- fulfillment, mm-hmm. but I mean. I don't know. It was like a mix of just growing older and seeing more of what the world had to offer. Um, Struggling with, like, mental health, depression, anxiety, stuff like that, and trying to see how that fit into God's plan. Like, because I knew... Like, I had heard Christians before saying that mental health issues were like, you know, that's the devil. Demonic, testing you. yeah, yeah, that's the devil yeah. testing you. And I, I knew that at the so very, very core of my being that was not true. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was another thing where I was like, you know, now I have to kind of like reckon with me having these mental health issues, and then also being a Christian. And then that kind of started on a downward slope. Right. To kind of seeing, like, okay, well, this doesn't make sense, so I'll research more of this, and then, well, I don't know about that, but, you know, I'll keep, you know, and the, I mean... It was definitely an incentive to keep believing because all of my friends were believers. You know, I lived in a community house that was very Christian, and you know, and it was this whole kind of like social hierarchy. If I was like, Oh guys, I'm an atheist You know, right, right, right. boot and like I'm yeah, out of the right. house You I'm lose of all the- of
0: your cultural contacts You right, lose your friendship right. circles
2: you- So, I was I, I mean, I had these questions, but I was trying to justify them And like Well, you know, questioning's good for your faith And, you know A lot of, you know
0: <laughs> people, who are, God.
2: <laughs> people, people who are strong in the faith Have wrestled with God And they've come through it And this and this and this
0: yeah.
2: And like We talked about before, like, the assault was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back, like...
1: You keep saying assault, but it was rape.
2: Rape. Rape. Yeah. It was rape. It was rape. And...
1: I just wanted to put that there because I think that's important to be like, it wasn't like you were groped. No, it was...
2: It was was rape. It was rape. And... There's no way in my mind. There were ways that I could justify other stuff that I saw that wasn't really adding up. And I'm like, well, this and this. I feel the same and,
1: way. And we don't... Not, I, not to that extent, but yeah.
2: And I'm like, we don't, you know, our minds are too small to understand the best... The scope. The scope of God. And, you know, I could kind of justify it that way. But being raped was like I can't I cannot justify this.
1: Yeah.
2: I cannot There's no way in my mind there's that I can
1: that makes this picture better.
2: That I can be like this was part of a plan yep. or this was God allowed this to happen for so something for something. I was like And it hurt even worse because I had been so faithful up to that point. Oh, my God. I was not like, you know, I was such a loose woman and I made a bad decision. You know, I was this evangelical kid who was dating a guy in a Christian band and ended up being raped. Like...
1: You were in the community you thought was safe. Yes. And then a predator...
2: So I was like there's no I don't care how many people and I mean I I didn't tell anyone because I was like there's because
0: ironically so, the shame would come back on you yeah so when you told, oh yeah when you told, oh, yeah. when, you, when, you told me, when you told me about this how many people you told
2: hardly anyone hardly yeah. anyone.
1: So what made you feel comfortable telling me other than that', word? Obviously partners out together.
2: I mean that I trusted you implicitly. But it was early on. I I mean we have history too. I mean I've known you since high school, That's true. and I've known that you've that you're the type of person who just doesn't believe something for the sake of believing it. You're you're very thorough and very, thoroughness
1: led to my atheism.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, I mean. Thorough is not the kind of word I'm looking for. But you're very... I mean, you don't just follow something because other people are following it. You, you've you always had a very independent mm-hmm. type of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I was like... And I knew you would not...
1: Dismiss you.
2: Judge me. Uh, like, I mean, you talked about being divorced and being damaged goods. You talked about being raped and being damaged goods. Yeah, And the fact that... I was a virgin when I was raped oh my god Yeah. so you talk about something being ripped from you that you had such faith that you know I'm doing a good thing because I haven't screwed around with whoever so when that is you were
1: dressing so modestly with your two different with <laughs> my
2: two t-shirts mind you straight up and um, so when I shouldn't
1: that is, laugh about that I
2: apologize. No, I I'm laughing about it because I think two T-shirts is hilarious. Why did I do that? Um, so when that is something that was such like a cornerstone of being a Christian woman, and then having that forcibly taken from you, mm-hmm. like there is no spiritually justifying it. Like yeah. God did that to me for a reason, or oh my God! Well, uh, I didn't pray enough, or something. Oh yeah. Oh. So it was like, <laughs> Caleb, what do you? let what do you? It think? was like, oh. yeah. It completely was. It, it was like an atom bomb thrown into my
1: Christian. Well, the, the reason. Whatever. I, the reason I pushed the assault to rape was because when you say assault it could be anything, but mm. like the way you were violated needs to be named because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it wasn't what made you an atheist. It just reinforced your stance that people even with the best intentions are fucking assholes sometimes. Mm. Some great
2: and the it was, intentions. I mean... That's a
0: stretch, bro. The best cr- intentions. Well, there's a... Why is crazy
2: giving this guy because, a fucking inch
0: right now? Yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that. But, like, well,
1: the best intentions pave the way to hell. You know? Um...
2: I mean, and it was crazy. Like, even after... I mean, obviously... I mean, I think I had been dating him for, like, a month or two months or so. And it was a long-distance relationship. mm so then he came to visit me in Minnesota, and that's where all the shit mm. went down. And um, and then seeing well, it, it, later, like his band booked at like Christian music festivals, right. it's like, just it, like it was just like
1: oh, rapist is booked at a Christian music festival. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And I was like, there. I don't care how much you talk about. <laughs> God never gives you more than you can handle. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. that, oh my God. That kind of... Well, maybe
1: this is might be too much for a podcast, but it
0: totally affected our sexual relationship together. Yeah, I'm sure. sure. Uh, how could it not? How could, how could it not? How could it fucking not? It's,
2: it's still it's your life still,
0: experiences affect your sexuality. Yeah. Like, come on!
2: It's still yeah. It's still it still resonates to no the day because not only was it a violation it was something that I had been told for so long that was the sacred thing that Mm -hmm. I had to keep it sacred and if you you know if you slipped up before you were married then you know you had to reclaim your virginity or whatever and um, having that thing that I was like so Faithful towards. Right. I mean, I had boyfriends uh. before that I definitely wanted to screw. Up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I was like, nope, nope. Yeah. Like, Jeez.
0: you were straight up playing by the book.
2: I was playing by the book. I was like, nope, not until marriage. And then having someone from that same community community forcibly take that from you.
0: Mm, it's God. like,
2: oh. That is a mind fuck you do not want to have. No, and it it still affects me today. Of course, yeah. Of oh course. yeah,
0: especially as as your first. I hate to even use the term sexual experience because that's not even a sex. There's nothing sexual about that experience nope. on either side. Nope. It's nope. This fucking distorted, off kilter, disgusting, grimy, fucking. He's a thief. a taking. Thief. He's, taking it's a taking, is all it is.
2: Take, 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 leave nothing oh, for that's the other disgusting person. Yes. Yeah. Fuck.
0: Yeah. And then, for some reason, in this fucking patriarchal economy that we've constructed, you are left lacking because yeah. this fucking asshole comes in and sticks his dick where it's not wanted, and now right. it's on you because oh, I lost it. You didn't lose shit.
2: Yeah. Like, it, was, it was like it was make like a you. Choice. You were the female, and you put yourself in a situation that you should have, like yeah. you shouldn't even huh. have been in. You were probably wearing
0: something you shouldn't have been wearing, right? Which I fuck guarantee she that. wasn't.
1: Which is even, that even the most, our, uh, yeah. I like I have friends who do burlesque, and they wear very revealing clothes, and that a man thinks that they have some claim on someone's body because of what they're wearing is bullshit. Yes, it's, it's, the, it's the most despicable argument. Like, yeah. If I go and wear a thong, no one's gonna care. Like, if I just go outside and wear a thong, people are probably gonna be disgusted. Um, you know. Well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that—that's part of our society. It's this. It's not Because <laughs> I have a, a really good friend who does burlesque, and she wears you know all kinds of things that are very revealing. But it's—it's it's for art. It's not right. for. She's not doing it because she she's wants not trying people. to get laid. No, she doesn't want people to like want to fuck her. She just wants to do her art the way she wants to. And people call her a slut all the time, and that's terrible. Like she's not a slut. Whatsoever. She's married. She's a married woman. She's married to a woman, but she's still a married woman. Like there's that's why why yeah. is that even confusing? No. She's a married woman. They have a like they have a wonderful relationship, and no one should say well. Like, if something, God forbid, anything Sexual assault happens to her Like, if anyone says, well, she deserved it Because she, you know Dances or because she, she wears a thong All the time, like, fuck you Like, that is That's just not acceptable
2: Like, she, she The fact that she is a dancer And wears, ribbon, like, she doesn't Owe you shit Exactly, Yeah. Like right. She doesn't owe you shit Yep. And same if you're you're a girlfriend or you're a woman in a relationship, if a guy thinks that you owe him some sexual favor, that is a lie, <laughs> an unbelievably yeah. terrible lie. And yeah, th- you don't owe them shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I think any of my friends can dress however the fuck they want. They can wear whatever kind of clothing they want. I don't care if it's revealing or not. Um, I don't care. Like, I have friends who breastfeed in public. Like, why is that weird? America has such a culture of um, just pent-up sexuality. Yeah. Uh, uh, puritanical purity. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that woman's breastfeeding in public, and everyone's, like, trying to look at her nipples. Oh, it's like, oops. Hey, I got nipples, too, buddy. Oh, sweet. look at my nipples. Oh, sweet.
2: I love <laughs> boobs. It's, it's, it's biz- like, <laughs> it's
1: bizarre how we've taken regular folks and made them into just objects. And if you see part of that object that you're not supposed to see, all of a sudden they're sexually accessible to you. Mm-hmm. Which... Why? Like, why would you think that? There's there's no consent there. There's no asking, like, hey, are you interested in this? Because, I mean, I've had, you know, folks come up to me, um, like, when I was a lot younger and more attractive, um, folks come up to me and be like... Not
2: true, you're still attractive. um,
1: (laughs) But folks come up to me and be like, hey, um, are you interested in this relationship? And, like, I'm a straight man, so... um, But I remember I was in uh, ninth grade, and my my first uh, man attraction... Uh, presented himself to me. And he was like, hey, do you want a date? And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, just, you know... Do date? As a straight dude, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to date a dude. Like, I'm just into... I'm just into women. It's, you know, it's... I'm, right.
0: Just, that's, is that's it is. for me. It's,
1: that's it for me. Right. Like, you know, I find other men attractive, but not in a sexual way. Uh-huh. And so sure. it's just not there for me. And it's not... I don't think that's a win or anything. It's just... That's just the way I'm wired. Mm-hmm. But I had a... a so when I was in ninth grade I went out with a, a girl and a guy and we went out and painted the town red like we did stuff we weren't supposed to do we, we climbed to the top of the parking garage and we st- like we all put our legs over the top so like <gasps> we're like six stories <gasps> up looking you over the parking garage yeah and so we just ran around town going to coffee shops and just having a fucking fun time and the other night I went to a pizza shop and the other night this guy who also his name is Uncle Josh was talking to me and then all of a sudden, him and the girl I was with, Tanaya, were talking, and laughing. And They both went to the bathroom together, and I was like, oh, "What's going on?" And then they came back out, and Tanaya came up to me and was like, "Josh wants to ask you to be his boyfriend." And I was like, "Oh, well, that's really flattering, and I'm glad I thought that way instead of being aggressive and being like, i
0: 'I'm fucking stressed.' <laughs> um, How you? Do you that no, yeah.
1: but he was so afraid that he didn't want to talk to me because it was, you know, the uh, it was two thousand. 18 years ago, and he was like, yeah, you just seem like the kind of guy I want to date, and I was like, sorry I'm not attracted to men, you know, gave him a big hug, and we spent the rest of the night just talking and hanging out, like, it wasn't a weird thing, but, like, for me as a kid coming from a super small town, like, I'd never experienced anything like that, but it wasn't offensive to me, it wasn't earth shattering it didn't like question my sexuality I was like no like he was a really fun person to hang out with and mm-hmm. a really nice guy and like probably would still be my friend if we were you know had kept it in touch right. but after I said I wasn't interested in being his boyfriend he wasn't really interested you know <laughs> um, and I, like, I hope he's doing great you know like right. But, I, had, I remember just, just we were running through the streets as kids, you know, just doing, like, doing the stupid shit you do as kids, like, literally running through the streets, not like, as old people, like, well, we ran through the streets, we took an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> we walked to the club. The
2: club,
1: the club was too loud. We walked
2: carefully through the streets.
1: <laughs> the club was loud. You
2: darn kids! <laughs> yeah, right. Ah. No, we but, yelled at a skateboarder who drove, or <laughs> rode past us. He was going way too fast. That was way one
1: thing fast. that surprised me about myself is when he said he wanted to be my boyfriend, I assumed that I would respond negatively. And I didn't. I responded in a way that was... I was like, I'm really flattered. Empathetic, yeah. yeah. But right. I mean, from where I grew up, I should have been like, you fucking F-word. Right, right. You know, like, I will... You know, punch your face, right. you know? and that's because that's, that's all my friends were, uh-huh. and they were like, "If uh-huh. you think I'm gay, you know, right. I don't, you know." And I was like, ugh And right. I, yeah. I just felt deeply flattered, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, um, I don't know, from being a kid in the Midwest, especially at the time, like because that was just around the time Matthew Shepard happened, mm. and, and like that's kind of the reaction most of my friends would have had right. about that, and that's why he, I think he had uh, Tanaya talk to me instead of him. Because uh, he was because worried they, about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, God, I mean... And then we just sat and ate dinner together, you know, like... You know, like, hey, we're totally fine. Right, right. We're just...
0: There's nothing gonna happen between us. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people who, who respond most negatively to stuff like that are the most insecure. Yeah. Because, like, they actually maybe have a thought that's like... Right. Oh, maybe I might like that. One of oh! Wow! Oh, no, scared, no,
1: no! In that aspect of my life, I feel like I am, even though I'm s- I identify as just straight. Right. Um, but like my friends who are pansexual or whatever, like I, it doesn't threaten me. Right. It, it doesn't make me feel weird. Or like sometimes I'm like maybe I should be pansexual too. <laughs> but other than that, like that sounds pretty. Yeah, good. yeah, it sounds pretty good. Uh, but other than that, it's, it that part of my life I've never wanted to condemn other people for being different. Right. Um, Where, maybe that, that's also probably part of Christianity that developed for me or developed, that went down into something. Like, developed. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, the whole gay community never seemed a threat to me. It Mm -hmm. never seemed threatened to my faith. It never, like, and people were like, well, the Bible speaks against it. And I was like, yeah, but Jesus taught, tells us to love everybody. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. what's different about these people that right. makes you hate them so much? That's a very that confusing was just, aspect of Christianity. Yeah, definitely. That, when we talk about that at sacred collective next week, that's one thing that I want to bring up—the sexuality thing mm-hmm. is because
2: I think we talked we talked about that before too. I mean, that was another major reason that well, I questioned my. Christianity because my brother is gay, right? And we had always had a really, really strong relationship. <laughs> He's still one of my best friends in the whole world. Yeah, you
1: guys were so close. And
2: like, like but he
1: thought that that him being he, gay would tear apart your relationship.
2: Yeah, and he, I mean, he never told me personally, but my mom ended up telling me that I, I was the last person in the family to know that he was gay
0: mm-hmm.
2: because I was evangelical. I was evangelical, and that broke my heart because we were so close. I think and that was kind
1: of your one of your big stepping stones. one of my big stepping your, uh, stones, something.
2: and I, I still it still haunts me to this day. Um, my mom told me that when he thought about telling me, he would get physically ill, mm. and he he broke down crying in front of my mom and said, "I can't lose her. I can't lose her." and wow. i still like even when i see my brother today and we're and i'm so happy he lives in our state now he used to live in florida and now he's moved back up here with his husband and i'm so happy um Me too. and i see them all the time and i still sometimes when i'm hanging out with them i still kind of hear that in my head like i can't lose her i can't lose her mm. and the fact that he even had to question that and the fact that he was so upset About telling me And I remember the night that he came out to me too He was so So nervous And so dramatic I thought he had cancer (laughs) Mm. Um, And we were driving around And he I could tell something was off And I was like I immediately thought he had like a terminal disease Mm. And then he Ended up telling me that you know, he, he's gay, and he's attracted to men, and he had been dating a man. Right. And I was, like, I, like, pulled the car over, and I just was, like, I'm so relieved. I thought uh, you had cancer. Wow. <laughs> mm, and, like, wow. he immediately started crying and was, like, no, I don't have cancer. I'm just gay. <laughs> and I was, wow. like, that's fine. I just didn't want you to die. that. yeah. Um, Oh, my God. So, I mean, that was, like, a, that was a, I mean, our relationship became even closer then, but, yeah, just the fact that, like, I still even feel, like, the guilt that I was one of the last people he told, Mm -hmm. even though we're We're so close, even though we're so close, I was like, fuck, I should have been the First person he told. Right. And the fact that he was so nervous to tell me just tears me up. Tears me up.
1: Mm. I think that's a good place to end for tonight. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We never got in the Sick Collective. Sorry. That's cool. No. Can you can, the, can so. apologize about anything. That was so good. Yeah. Thank you guys. This is a good
2: conversation.
1: Well, we can pick it up again, you know, whatever. Yeah. Sure. So part.
0: 6 <laughs> I think you got about 3 hours right uh oh. close to over yeah. 2 over 2 hours okay right.
1: a post christian uh. production